All right, welcome into the Three and D Pod. I'm Ben Hogan. Normally, I am joined by Justin Lewis, but something came up uh, unexpectedly, so it'll be me tonight. And I am joined by the gracious Sean Coleman. You know him from Locked On Grizz. You know him as at Stats SAC on Twitter. He writes for SB Nation. Writes for the Grizzly Bear Blues. I appreciate you coming on, Sean. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you, Ben. We haven't talked enough, so uh, it was a uh, nice of Justin to uh, and you to give me the invite. I hope everything's all right on Justin's end, but uh, glad to talk with you. There's there's plenty to talk about, as there always is with the Grizzlies, but this week there's a little bit more to talk about, so pleasure to be with you and talk Grizzlies. All right, let's get right into it. The, the last podcast that Justin and I did, we did it in the middle of the Grizzlies-Bulls game last Monday night. The Grizzlies were able to come back and win that game. So I'm going to say it was a three-in-one week. They were uh, a Luca prayer three away from being 4-0 and this week. And they beat the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. A very, very impressive win for the Grizzlies, especially being more shorthanded than they've been, uh, I guess, without Jaron, you know, because you've been without Jaron all season, but you're missing other key pieces. And it was nice to see the Grizzlies get that win because, honestly, I did the preview for, uh, for Grizzly Bear Blues, and I put the Grizzlies would lose by about 15 because I thought maybe if they got down early, Taylor would Jenkins would use that as an excuse of kind of resting some of the guys because of what they have coming up against the Western Conference. No, and the fact that, you know, you know, the thing about it is is that he's kind of been able to rest some guys with how well the roster has played up and down, especially the bench as of late, because the Grizzlies have been shooting, you know, so well from three. You know, this is, you know, I've got a piece coming out tomorrow for Grizzly Bear Blues talking about how in this stretch of 10 games, there really has never been a streak like this for the Grizzlies where they're shooting so well from three. So that kind of makes up the work that they have to do inside. And so, I mean, yeah, if you've got the game plan in place, I mean, the Grizzlies should easily be nine and one. They just hit a few more free throws. They beat the Knicks and they beat the Mavericks, but they didn't. Yeah. And it's fine. We're seven and three. We're right there, you know, a half game out of, you know, the seventh spot in the West, a half game out of the division lead. We got a tough stretch coming up. But, I mean, overall, there's no way, shape, or form you should be disappointed with where the Grizzlies are, especially with how well they're playing in April. No doubt about it. We'll talk about what's coming up uh, later in the week in just a few minutes. They play Denver tonight. I know this podcast will be released after the Denver game. But real quick, just just because if you want to get it out there and have it on record, what what are you looking for tonight? I know they're very, very shorthanded, uh, but Denver's without Jamal Murray. So and they're just now getting used to playing without Jamal Murray. So that could play a factor because the Grizzlies have figured out how to play without certain guys all season, it feels like. They have. And uh, just uh, looking at Twitter as we talk, I, I can confirm that obviously Jonas is out tonight. Jaron is out tonight. Um, uh, Dylan Brooks is out tonight. And uh, Xavier Tillman will be starting. Listen, I, I think this lines up as a schedule loss. Like, you know, that's that. Uh, that's not me in any way, shape, or form trying to be negative. It's just the truth. You know, you're facing the MVP candidate, Nikola Jokic. Yes, they're without Jamal Murray. Uh, but the Denver Nuggets are a very hard team to beat. And without Jonas, their size, with Porter Jr., Gordon, and Jokic, it's going to be a very hard task for this team to do. I think the Grizzlies are going to do all that they can to try to win the game. And who knows, with how well they've been shooting the three, maybe they pull it off. But Denver gets a 
big, big boost when it comes to the ability to get second chance points. They also get a big boost when it comes to rebounding. It's just it's going to be hard for the Grizzlies to find their usual avenues to win when they have their full roster to complement each other. And so uh, tonight, it, it's going to be a tall task. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a double-digit loss, but with this Grizzlies team playing as well as they has, maybe they can pull off the upset. I hope so. I mean, you got the same Denver team a week from now, and hopefully the team looks very different than what it does tonight for the Grizzlies. So let's go ahead and get into that with the injury front. Um, I know Grizz fans rejoice. I've never seen so many people rejoice about somebody being doubtful on their injury report. But when you see him, Jaron Jackson Jr. as out all season long, and you're just looking for a little glimmer of hope on when he might come back, and he's listed as doubtful. I mean, there was a collective cheer slash sigh from Grizz, Grizzly fans because there's now light at the end of the tunnel. Because with this front office, you never really got a timeline, but I think this is kind of, you know, you can look ahead. You can realize that Jaron is coming back this season. Yeah, I'm not big into interpreting the Instagram pictures and all that different stuff, but Jaron put out a picture of Han Solo in the Carbonite, you know, with, with from Jabba the Hutt. And the thing about that is, is that in Return of the Jedi, the big message there was, was that when it seemed like all hope was lost, once Han Solo got released from that, that was the turning point of the whole, you know, saga, basically, in terms of Han Solo playing his role. And Han Solo really is the supporting cast member for the Grizzlies. He's the number two guy in the movement for the good guys, with John Morant's Luke Skywalker. So I think that's kind of what, you know, Jaron was going after. So, yeah, it's going to be good to have him back. Now, I'll go ahead and put this claim on the season. I don't think we get the Jaron from the bubble back this year. I just don't think he's going to have that opportunity. I hope we get glimpses of it, but I don't know if he gets unleashed like that this year with kind of how many games the Grizzlies are playing and so many things outside of, you know, the Grizzlies' control that can impact them this year more than others. But if we can at least get glimpses of what has made Jaron so special so far when he's played, that's my hope for this season. Uh, Justin, have I, Justin and I have discussed this multiple times on this podcast, and that's do you think that – Jaron may like rest on back-to-backs on saying game of back-to-backs. I said, yes, Justin thinks it's, you know, not, maybe not, but I, I think it's possible just with the way they handle injuries. With how well the Grizzlies have been playing and with how well their depth has developed this year, with how deep they are, you already know. I mean, you've got more than enough proof, overwhelming proof of what you can do without Jaron. And you know that he can be, you can be successful with him. That should give you the confidence in taking everything as slow as you possibly can. There's no reason to rush the process. Sit him on back-to-backs. Let others be able to play. Keep them as fresh as possible. Play him on nights where maybe you can rest others. Yes, you want to try to get Jaron to be as back as fully capable as he can be before the playoffs. But I agree. Sit him on back-to-backs. Make it a process that will develop itself and take advantage of the depth that you have to not rush him back because he's likely more than 100%, but you don't want to take any risk that he potentially could have any type of setback by playing him too much initially. The other uh, million-dollar question surrounding Jaron's return is what's the rotation going to look like? Do you think it's going to be a 12-man rotation? Do you think somebody's going to lose playing time? I mean, what, 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 what do you think is going to happen with this? Well, the first person that should sit is uh, Xavier Tillman, and and that's I think at the end of the day, that's that's the odd man out. And after that, you know, you've you've got the eleven man rotation. I, I think that the you know ideal starting lineup for me would be Ja Milton, 
DB, Jaron, and Jonas. And but you know, of course, it's going to be Grayson who's going to be starting over Melton. And then, in my opinion, what you do is, is that you st- that you go with Tyus, you go with Grayson, you go with Desmond Bain, Kyle Anderson, and then BC. Um, in that second unit, and you rotate in just as Winslow as you can. Um, I just think that Xavier Tillman is the odd man out because I just do not think that you know you're going to find a place to play him with the talent that's already there. Uh, but that's something against Xavier Tillman. He's done great when he's had to step up this year. But at the end of the day, I just think that there are 11 players who are going to offer more impact or the Grizzlies have more reason to play than Xavier Tillman. So I think it's an 11-man rotation, and I think you incorporate the rotation of um, Desmond, Justice, and Kyle Anderson when and where you can based off the matchups that are out there. And are you seeing uh, finishing lineups more of Jaron at the five and Jonas starting at the five? Do you think we might see a little more of that once Jaron returns? Do you think that uh, they're going to stick with Jonas as the closing? Five? I think. Well, initially, I think for the rest of the season, they're going to stick with Jonas, especially with how well Jonas has played right now. I mean, he's been playing the best that he's played in his career. So it's hard to take that away. But eventually, I think the long-term goal is is that probably – I'm an advocate for keeping Jaron at the four because I want Jaron to worry less about the banging, less about the traditional things centers do, and focus more on his shooting. That's my ideal position for him, but I do get it's more advantageous to have him at the five. So, yeah, I do think you're obviously going to have Jaw out there Make your decision between um, Grayson, uh, Grayson and Melton based off what you need in, in different game scenarios. But I think with Jaw, DB, Jaron, those are the three you have out there. And then mix in Kyle Anderson, Jonas, um, and BC in the front court with Melton in the back court based off the scenarios in the games. I think that's kind of the rotation you look at. All right, we're going to continue on this injury talk a little bit. Uh, I, I mentioned this before the podcast, but – the Jaron injury, like while it has been, you know, all Grizzly fans have been wanting to see him return. Has it kind of been a blessing in disguise for the development of guys? Because I don't know how much, I mean, Kyle's played the four, yes, but we haven't seen him play this amount. So you have more to look at as Kyle at the four. And then I think that between Grayson and DeAnthony Melton, I don't know if both those guys would be able to develop without the Jaron injury. I had agreed with you overwhelmingly before the podcast, and and but I think I would I I know that you I'm not going to try to critique your words on this, and I think you would agree with me when I say this. It's been a blessing in disguise, but I think instead of a blessing, it's been kind of a best case scenario for a less than ideal situation. Maybe the best way to describe it, because I don't right. think at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think at the end of the day you sacrifice Jaron's development. You don't hope to sacrifice the ability for Jaron to develop for other guys to develop. But I do think that in Jaron's absence and making sure that he's okay and the Grizzlies made the right decision in a year that's proven to be more prone to injuries than others because of the scenarios surrounding the season, you made the right decision for all parties involved. You held out Jaron, made sure he's more than 100%, and you took advantage of letting the rest of your talents you know, develop. So I agree with your point. It definitely has been. The Grizzlies have made the most of it by allowing for players to develop, and I think that the depth's development, the, the overall talent that's in this depth, has surpassed what many expected, probably even the franchises. Yeah, you're right. I mean, blessing in disguise. I was trying to think of something better. Off I know. The fly I know. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so hard. It, trust me. I agree completely. It is so hard to find the right words. <laughs> but I mean, it'll be nice, hopefully, to have Jaron back sometime this week. So uh, you were initially asked to come on this podcast for some uh, words you had in our, our Grizzly Bear Blues little chat room about it just came out of nowhere, sort of like, 
I think Dylan Brooks has been the best Grizzly this season. And sure enough, everybody's got an opinion on that. I disagree with you, but I'm going to let you state your case. I think Justin and I probably agree on the same person. Yeah, and and I think that I honestly think that the correct answer or as close as you can get to the correct answer for this is that the Grizzlies best player this year has been different people for different reasons. I mean, that's just been the truth. You know, when they needed that instant offense for somebody to take over the game, it's been John. Kyle Anderson carried them at the first of the year. In terms of an individual who for what he does matches up the best of any Grizzly with the rest of the league, it's Jonas and the the elite level of play that Jonas has had. But I mentioned Dylan because at the end of the day, I think that his presence on the court has been the consistent presence that he has had has made the most influence of any Grizzly on this team. And that's why I think he's been the best Grizzly. And there are some statistics to back it up. You know, if you go to cleaningtheglass.com, it shows that when it comes to the on-off stats, what player makes the biggest positive impact when he's on the court on the rotations instead of when he's off? It's Dylan Brooks. When you go and you look at the four-man lineups that have played the most minutes together this year, of the four-man lineups that have played 100 and more minutes this year for the Grizzlies, the five four-man lineups with the highest offensive ratings and the five four-man lineups with the highest net ratings Dylan Brooks is a part of each one of those lineups. So I agree. I think he's the fifth or best, sixth best talent on this team. I don't think that he's played when compared to the NBA as elite as others had. I don't think that he's improved as much as others have. But when you look at the reasons why the Grizzlies have won this year at different points earlier in the year, it was due to defense. I think that with Kyle, Dylan was the biggest reason as to why our defense was striving at that time and why it's been a top 10 defense this year. When you look at how our offense has played in April, you can make an argument that Jonas and Grayson have been bigger reasons. But Dylan, for April, for April 19 and a half points, 45% from three, 49% overall from the field. As Dylan has featured a part of his game as a clear strength, that's where the Grizzlies have featured that part of their that same part of the game as their clear strength. So I think when it comes to the most influential Grizzly, it's been Dylan Brooks, and that's why I say he's the best. That's fair. I mean, I'm not as against Dylan Brooks as Justin is. I don't think anybody is against Dylan Brooks. I, I try to take a more reasonable approach towards Dylan Brooks, you know, compared, I'm not on, you know, I, I've thought about getting some land on Dylan Brooks Island, but I'm not, uh, I'm not fully invested in the Dylan Brooks Island because I, I thought uh, Parker brought up a good point in the discussion was like when he wasn't making shots, he was doing other things on the court and he turned into Dylan, the playmaker, which we've seen develop this year. Uh, you know, he's getting rebounds, getting assists, and of course his defense. But I, I'm just, it's the eye test. It feels like Jonas has been the best player for the Grizzlies. I mean, he's put up monster numbers at times, and what he brings on the offensive glass, I don't know if you would be able to get that from anyone else on the Grizzlies. And I just think, I know he's a liability on the defensive end at times, which has hurt the Grizzlies in some games. But I would just say, as a whole, I would say that Jonas has been the best Grizzly. I don't have the stats necessarily with me to back it up. It's like I said, it's just the eye test. And I can totally see where you're coming from with the Dylan stuff. No, agreed. And that's the thing about it is that I think that you're limiting yourself in the ability to appreciate just how great Taylor Jenkins has done with this roster this year and how great players have done stepping up when others have been out. If you limit yourself to a right and wrong answer to this question, because I don't think there is one. 
based right. off how you perceive the question, there's going to be a different answer, and there are several right answers to the question. So I could agree with JV as much as I can with Dylan and feel as strong a case can be made for JV as there could with Dylan. Same with Kyle Anderson and same with others. Where's where's John Morant on this list for you? In terms of best players this season? Yes. Well, I would probably put him fourth. I, I would say probably fourth. I think that no player has shown the positive impact that the Anthony Melton has, but I just don't think he's played enough to be in this conversation. But I put Dylan, I put Jonas, and I put Kyle up there in terms of what they've done in stepping up and really leading us. Now, John Moran is clearly the best talent, and, and so you can obviously make the case for him being that way. But you also can say that his defense is taken away from some of his offensive value. And though the shooting yeah. is there right now, you know, the overall scoring is not, not that it's needed to be. So, you know, I think Jaws okay with kind of taking a step back a bit and doing what he can to emphasize others stepping up and playing as we can. And the recent results, you can't argue against it. So I put Jaw forth. I can understand that. I mean, if I'm asking you who is the best player on this team, not this year. But talent-wise, I would John Morant, I would say. But of course, this year, I can see where he is the fourth. I had a conversation with a friend over the weekend. Like he he was he was adamant that John Morant's been the fourth best player this month, and I was just arguing with him just to argue with him because you know what's what's the fun in agreeing with them on everything? You know, it's but he he put Grayson instead of Kyle. So he th- just in the last month, he had Dylan no, Jones, Grayson, and Ja. It's absolutely been Grayson this month. Yes. In March, you could say that it was Dylan, Melton, and Jonas. And you could say in February, it was Kyle, Melton, and, you know, somebody else. That's the thing about it. Jaw's consistently been the four-plus player because he's Jaw. But there are right. players who have stepped up and been more impactful. Actually, I'd probably put Jaw second or third because he had a great month of March compared to his April. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's a reason why his offensive stats look better and losses than they do wins, in my opinion, Ben, is because when he's having to step up and take over games, that typically means the Grizzlies' offense as a whole is not clicking. And I think John Moran, again, is perfectly fine kind of taking a step back in terms of being featured if this offense is clicking like it is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the great thing about Jaws. Obviously, he's, he's more about lifting up his teammates than lifting up himself. And for a guy so young, he's pretty mature. Uh, when it, in the basketball sense on setting up his teammates, knowing what he needs to do for the team to win instead of just being like, this is all about me. And that's, you know, you see that with other teams and their superstars, but Ja is just like, I can take a step back. If y'all need me, I'm here. But, you know, if not, if y'all are hitting, I'll just pass y'all the ball and y'all do y'all's thing. Yeah, and I think that that's a thing that just kind of, it's kind of written off about this Grizzlies team. I know that you want to put only so much value in the intangibles and loving to play together and culture and things like that. But I really do think that it makes a bigger impact on this Grizzlies team than it does a lot of teams. And I think that when you try to sit there and leave, you know, jaw behind the Foxes and the Youngs and the Balls and the Gilgis Alexanders and others, yes, those guys probably are having better years individually. But when you look at the impact that they're having on their players and how their teammates love to play with them, it's hard to argue that anybody has a better case than Jaw from that perspective. And I think that has relevance in those conversations. And uh, yeah, and I don't think with the culture, I don't think the Grizzlies would be this successful if they didn't have the culture. I mean, nobody cares really about getting theirs unless it's a Philly cheesesteak. And I mean, you got you got a lot of teams that ego gets in the way and 
I don't know if this will actually help bring in free agents or not, but having a, a culture like this, I mean, there's a possibility. I, it's Memphis. You know, I can't get my hopes up about bringing in a big-time free agent. But if you have word of mouth going on around the league, like, hey, they got a good culture over there. Hey, I love being in Memphis. You know, their fan base is great. Maybe that carries yeah, no. a little bit of weight. It does, and Kyle Anderson was the latest example of that. Drew Hill of the Daily Memphian wrote a great piece about Kyle talking about Rudy Gay, a guy that you could say may have had the you know most profiled, you know, <laughs> not so good bitter end to his right. time in Memphis. Maybe others have had, but he told you know um, Kyle that he would love it in Memphis, and you've heard John Hollinger and others say that. It's not the it, the issue is getting him here, which is fine, but it's not keeping him because they wind up loving it here. But the thing is, Ben, is that what's going to make this next 12 to 18 months so exciting, at least for me, who likes to create a bit of chaos when it comes to this culture, I want to see what moves are made because this is not a roster right now that is going to sit there and, and be a sustainable winner or be a consistent playoff contender or even title contender. You're going to have to mix the, you're going to have to shake the roster up a bit, do some consolidation. It's going to be really interesting to see how all that develops in time. It's moves that we know are coming. It's going to be fun to see how it works out. All right, before we get into the week ahead, I want to take a, uh, a, a little bit of a longer view look. Uh, Matt Moore, HP Basketball, put out a tweet today. Uh, 17 games in the next 29 days for the Memphis Grizzlies. When you see that injury report and you see rest, what does that mean to you? I'm, I'm, gu it, I'm guessing it doesn't mean tank. No, it doesn't mean tank. The thing about it is, is that I think it's actually smart by the Grizzlies, and here's why. Me and Drew Hill had kind of alluded to this um, a bit last week. You've got games right now for the rest of this road trip that, yes, you want to try to make a push for the seventh seed. You want to try to make, trade to make a push for the sixth seed. But over the next six games, the Grizzlies' chances of winning just are not there. They're not as good. They're going to be the underdogs in each of the next six games. But when you go to May, I think that it's like seven of the next eight games after these upcoming six, the Grizzlies arguably are going to be the favorite. Where you make your stretch run, where you make your push, is when those odds are a bit better. So get your guys rest now. If you pull off a couple of upsets, great. Confidence builder. But get your guys some rest now and then be able in those games that you have the better chance to win, have the chance to be able to do it. Now, that's me simplifying it. I don't think the team's ever going to actually admit that they're doing that, and it's probably not that direct. But I do think that you prioritize rest. You prioritize making sure people are healthy as possible for that actual playoff push, because at the end of the season, game against Dallas, game against New Orleans, game against uh, Golden State, I think all four of our last games have playoff implications for teams in the race right now. You really want your roster to be fresh and fully healthy as possible for that stretch, and I think that's kind of the long view the Grizzlies have right now. All right, short view. Uh, this upcoming week, we'll go from today through next Monday. They got the Nuggets twice, the Blazers twice, and the Clippers once. Um, are you okay with a two and three week? Is two and three okay, yes. or do you need to yes. make a winning week? Nope. Two and three is fine. That means this road trip has been a four and three venture at worst, and that is an absolute better than best case scenario that you thought it would be entering April. So if you can get four and if you can go two and three, maybe have those wins prioritized against the Blazers. You know, you'll take the loss, you know, against the Nuggets tonight, probably. But if you can have this roster near to full health, maybe with Jaron back a little bit against the Blazers and can win at least one of those games, I'll take two and three in a heartbeat and, and not have any regrets about it. Absolutely. And the one thing 
it's not just with the Grizzlies, but with we're seeing with all the NBA teams with the, the condensed schedule is people teams are resting certain players. So we can say that, you know, these games are going to be tough, but we don't know who these teams are going to be resting or if they're, you know, resting their guys on a game before the Grizzlies, like with Portland, you know, Damian Lillard didn't play last night and you got two games with them coming up. It'll be interesting to see what teams are going to be doing, especially when you have some Eastern Conference teams coming up as well. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, and and that's the thing. You don't. And, and I think the Grizzlies are kind of banking on that as well. You know, some of the – they're looking at things outside of their control as they've done all season, working in their favor. They're just trying to make sure – that with what's in their control, they stay maintained focus on the future. They don't want to give up the chance to make the playoffs this year. That's clearly what the roster and the coaching staff wants. But I think that they're making the right play in games where they're going to be the underdogs. If you have a guy who's less than 100%, don't risk it. Get him fresh and put yourself in the best position to win these games that you know you can win coming up in early May, and I think that's the goal. You're not sacrificing, you're not punting these games per se, but I think that you're doing your best to strengthen your roster as much as possible to have as strong of a case in the games that you have the best chance to win in over the next three weeks. Yeah, what do you have? You said you have a piece coming out tomorrow on Grizzly Bear Blues. What what you got coming up and on that and Locked on Grizz? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, you can uh, um, find the show at Locked on Grizz and myself at Stats SAC on Twitter. Um, I do have a piece coming out tomorrow that really highlights why this run in April so far has truly been unprecedented for this Grizzlies franchise. And it's been unprecedented in ways that highly correlate with winning. And it really you know, highlights how, just how much Taylor Jenkins has changed the culture here in terms of the Grizzlies reaching heights that they had not before. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow on Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzly Bear Blues uh, site manager Joe Molnax will be on our Wednesday show, so looking forward to catching up with him. I know that he's back to focusing on basketball now with football done, uh, but just I'm uh, going to have some guests are uh, going to be uh, featuring some guests here over the next uh, few weeks that, you know, some of the, you know, really good follows on Twitter for Memphis getting their opinions on the playoff run and how things have looked at over the last two years when it comes to rebuild. So a lot of fun things. I appreciate you asking. Oh, no problem. I appreciate your time. And uh, I know this was a little bit of last minute, so it's going to be a little shorter show today because I was prepared, but not as prepared as Justin probably was. So, I appreciate that and uh, kind of pinch hitting in his place. Well, really my place because I'm taking his spot. So I really appreciate it, Sean. Hey, anytime. The, the, the great thing that makes GBB so special is the family atmosphere that's there and just everybody being great and a great contributor. I wish that we could talk more, Ben. It's always a pleasure, bud. Pleasure talking with you. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, this week's edition of the 3ND Pod. It's part of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Hopefully Justin Lewis will be joining us next week. For Sean, I'm Ben. Go Grizz.